0: Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Boy, we're, we're talking about a way forward. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about, man, the last year has been real tough, tough for a, a lot of people. Just challenging things, you know, just seem to be nonstop challenges that we face and adjustments that we had to make and uh, things that we, t- if, if we're honest, we just don't like, we didn't like, we don't enjoy, it's just not, it took away our, some of our normalcy of life and our routines of life and, and some of the habits of life and, and sometimes, you know, the reality is is that God is a, sometimes a disruptor of things and, and God will disrupt and cause some disruptions in our lives in order for us to look at some things that are most important. So we've been trying to just look at ways, things that um, are most important and how to continue to move forward in those things that are important, uh, important to God. So we looked at our identity, our identity, who, who we are. And, and we asked the question or you, you, hopefully you asked yourself the question, who am I? who am i and and what was asked of John the Baptist was who are you who are you and his response was i'm i'm just a friend of the bridegroom that's what was basically his response i'm a friend of the groom that's who i am and i'm a voice for him, And the, how I'm a voice for him is, is I hear his voice, and then I speak for him. I hear his voice, and I speak for him. So I'm a friend of the groom. That was, that was John's response of who he was. And I think that's important when it comes to our identity, is that you are a friend of, of God. You're a friend of God. And even better than that, you're a child of God. Uh, and, but John related, identified himself as that. And then we talked about integrity. Integrity. And, and we looked at, you know, briefly, we looked at a guy by the name of Job who, man, talk about you, your year. He had a bad, really bad day that doesn't even come close to the kind of year that we had. And so he kept his integrity. Even his own wife told him, his own wife told him, you should just curse God and die. Why do you still keep? Why do you still keep your integrity? Because it's the only thing that we have control over. It's the only thing in this life. Haven't we learned that over the last year? There's, there's, there's things in life that we certainly do not have control over like we thought we did. But what we can control is our integrity. That's what we can control. And that's the best way forward for all of us is to maintain our integrity or get back our integrity if you lost it along the way. And so that's the other way. And then last week, we talked about influence, influence. So we talked about identity. We talked about you know, integrity. And now we're talking, we talked about influence. How do we influence? How do we use uh, our influence? And so Jesus simply gave him, gave uh, his people a, a simple message, a simple illustration. You are salt, so be salt. You are light, so be light. It was simple. It was clear. It was to the point. And when it comes to us in our lives, especially those who say they're Jesus followers, be salt and be light. Be salt and be light. What does salt do? Salt preserves decay. That's what salt does. Salt preserves decay. That's the word to be salt. What does light do? Light shines or penetrates through darkness. It penetrates through the darkness. That's what light does so we need to be salt and we need to be light when it comes to our influence last thing last thing and we could probably talk about 10 more things but let's just keep it simple to your integrity to your identity to your influence and now we were going to we want to talk about what does it mean to be ignited to have it to ignite a passion for God to reignite a passion and maybe you had a and maybe you had enthusiasm or or a passion for God at one point and then circumstances and experiences in this life and things that you, that hurt and things that are lost they sort of robbed you or took away or removed your passion and here's the thing that I've always said about passion and I know it's true it's not that we lose our passion we just give it to something else it's not that we lose our passion. We just redirect or we shift our passion or, or what makes us excited or what we think will bring us happiness or fulfillment. We, it just shift it shifts to something else. So how do we ignite and what, what does that look like? What does it look like to where you feel like my passion is... Is for God is 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 like a ember. It's just like just a a light or that was is burnt out or a candle that's just sort of, you know, just barely even holding on, right? How how do I reignite my passion for God? What are some things that I can do so that I can reshift? and realign my passion for God that I once had at one point, but it seems like it's lost, but the reality might be that you've maybe just given it to something or someone else. So what does that look like? We're going to look at a word in the scripture, and the word is fervent, fervent, okay? It's Greek, this word, and it means to boil with heat, to boil with heat. So much like these young guys that came up here to eat some hot wings, their, their mouth temperature was at a normal temperature. But then they ate this wild hot sauce and now their mouth temperature is now boiling with heat, right? I mean, this is the metaphor. It's, this is the kind of thing that God wants for you for your joy, he wants it for your joy. He wants it so you can know and experience life with the, with the kind of joy. He wants you to have this fervency, this, this boil with heat kind of mentality when it comes to the things of God. Because this is what will make you have joy. This is what will give you joy in your life. And so we're going to look at that word fervent. It means to boil with heat. And you know the illustrations or the metaphors for this. It's like when you're boiling water, right? you got to ignite ignite the stove, right? And then you got to put your pan with water. And then over time, it begins to boil, right? This is the, this is the, the picture. It needs to be ignited so that the, the, the boiling process can take place. This is what fervent means peter he was writing a letter he wrote a couple letters to a group of people that were losing their their desire or their passion for god they were they were seeing and experiencing tremendous amount of hardship they were they were feeling the weight of and the struggle of life anybody feel that sometimes they feel that they, they felt the pressure and the angst of, of their circumstances and their experiences around them. And so Peter need, said, "I need to write a letter or two to these people so that they can continue to have that boiling, hot, passionate." you know, desire for the things of God, even when, even when things around them are collapsing on them, even when things around them are feeling like, I I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I don't, I don't know if I want to be a Christian anymore. I don't know if this Jesus following thing is for me. They were wanting to turn back or they were wanting to reshift their focus or reshift their passion to something else. And Peter said, don't, do it. Here's how you keep your enthusiasm. Here's how you ignite your passion for God as a way forward. As a way forward. <clears throat> Here's what he said. The end of all things is near. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What? Like like he wrote this, they, this was written some 2000 years ago. Some 2000 years ago, Peter told a group of people, the end of all things is near. 2,000 years have gone by, and I don't know much you, but I think, and maybe you do too, that we're coming down to the end of all things. I don't know, but I don't know, you know where you fall in, in that, but the reality is, is that our king is coming back again. And he, now, he's patient because the reason he's patient is Peter tells us why he's patient because he doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to experience hell. He says, so he's patient and he's been really patient for since the time that Peter wrote this. He's been really patient, not wanting anyone to perish not wanting anyone to go to hell for all eternity but he's telling us there needs to be some urgency about us because the end of all things is near i don't know if you're a sports fan or not if you are you'll you've probably noticed that there's more urgency in the fourth quarter than there is in the first quarter when it comes to the teams. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that in the in the end, when the end of the game is near, and maybe if you'll watch the, the big game today, you know, between the, the two teams, and legally I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say what those teams are, the name of the game and all that stuff. But if you watch the game today, you'll probably notice, you know, first quarter, second quarter is just kind of like, you know, just, you know, go with the flow. But once, it, if, especially if it's close, at the end of the game, you're gonna see urgency on both sides. You're gonna see urgency. This is the kind of place or or posture that God wants us to have, because we're coming down to the end. We're coming to the the, the end is is near. It's, in, it's near, and we must have some urgency. And if it isn't ignited for God, it needs to be ignited for God. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. So those are things that are very important. We need to have sound judgment. We need to make good, sound, wise decisions. Our, our, we need to have a sober spirit uh, we, we, in other words, we, we shouldn't be too intoxicated with the things of this world, the things of the flesh, you know, the temptations of life. We shouldn't be too intoxicated with those things. We need to be sober in our spirit. Why? Because for some reason or another, it affects our prayer life. So we need to be sound judgment. We need to have a sober spirit for the purposes of the power of what prayer can do in your world. In the world around you, it can, it can change things. So he says, Listen, we need to have some urgency about that. But look what he says next. Look what he says. Above all, above all, keep fervent, keep and ignite your enthusiasm, ignite, have it, have it to be like a boiling into, into heat. Things need to, the temperature, needs to rise when it comes to your urgency. He says, above all, so even, he's saying, even above sound judgment, and you know even uh, above sober spirit for the purpose of prayer, he's saying, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. You you know this. You know this. The word love. The word love is the Greek word for agape, and the, the agape love is in action. It means it's an action kind of love. It's a verb. Love is a verb. You've heard that before, right? Toby Mac sang the song about it, and uh, it, and and so you you know that. And so it's an action. Love is is not a feeling. Love is an action that is demonstrated. It's it's exhibited. It's it's seen. It's shown. The, Jesus is the best example of that. Because of His love for you, He didn't come to Earth to tell us how much He loves us. He came to Earth to show us how much God loves us. That God demonstrated God demonstrated His love for you, that while we were still in our sins, Christ died for you. That's action type. Of love. So I, can you go to the verse again? Go back to the verse again? Neva, go back to the verse. Above all, keep fervent, a boil to a heat, in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. At first, at first, I thought, well, love covers a multitude of other people's sins. Like, even if somebody else, has sinned or somebody else has wronged me or hurt me or offended me or said poor things about me, that I just need to love them anyways. And I I think there's there's some truth to that. I'm supposed to just love because agape love is unconditional love. It's unconditional. It's no matter what somebody has done or said or will do or treat me, I'm still gonna love them anyways because that's exactly what jesus said while we were still in our sins christ died for us he showed love while we were still in our sins walking away from the things of god as sheep that have gone astray each one to our own wicked ways god laid upon him the iniquities and the sins of us all that's actionable love and it's unconditional love but i used to think and some of it, like I said, it's true. I love you regardless of if you love me back. I love you. But I also think it has to do with our own issues and our own sins. And so if you can go to, uh, skip the next slide if you would, love is agape, you know that. So when I feel impatient, when I feel impatient, anybody else feel impatient at, at all ever? No? Okay, okay, all right. Some of you did, thank you. Some of you admit. What happens is, so my kids help me with this, and they're like, dad, we ran out of red Sharpie. So you can make this out, right? What does this say? Okay, good, all right. So when I feel impatient, I know when I have the fervency of love for one another, what happens is love will cover a multitude of sins. Or if I'm, if I'm like unkind, nobody's unkind here, but if you are unkind, you know what love does? Love covers a multitude of sins. Or if I am jealous, nobody gets jealous. When I feel jealous, I know this, love, when I just love one another, unconditional, that love covers a multitude of sins. When I feel prideful, you know what love does? Love covers a multitude of sins. When I am rude, nobody's rude, but I get rude. You know what happens? When I love, love covers a multitude of sins. Nobody does this. Demand my way, my way or the highway, right? Okay, just me. All right, what I do is I know that love Covers a multitude of sins. When I'm irritable, love covers a multitude of sins. When I rejoice in unrighteousness, you know what love does? Love covers a multitude of sins. He says, above all, above all, let your love be fervent. Because when love is fervent, when it's boiling into heat, it covers a multitude of sins. Because you know this, you've been to a number of weddings. First Corinthians 13, love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a, a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but it It rejoices with the truth. You know this. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. He says, Peter said, hey, hey, hey. You gotta have a fervency of love for one another. And when you have something inside of you that rises up, like unkindness, impatience, you know, my way or the highway, arrogance, pride, whatever it is. When you say, I'm just going to love, even when I feel impatient, I'm just going to love. Even when I feel like just being unkind, I'm just going to love. Even when I feel like, you know, it's, I, I'm right and they're wrong, it's my way or no way, I'm just going to love one another because love covers a multitude of your sins love covers a multitude of my own sins and when i decide to agape love love in action not feeling i'm telling you it will ignite something in you for god that you've never experienced before Peter says, here's how it can be played out practically, okay? So a practical way this can be played out is it. He says this, be hospitable. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. <laughs> we don't complain. Nobody complains about anything. So we can just move on from there. But be hospitable. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. And here's what Peter meant by the idea of Hospitable. Here's what he meant. He meant to be fervent to connect, to be fervent to connect, to be fervent about connecting with each other. That's how, if you're going to have fervent love for one another, if you're going to be hospitable to one another, and that idea of hospitable means to connect together, he says he said, you should, if you want to ignite something in your heart and in your life that will make a difference for you and the people around you, you should, you should be fervent about connecting, connecting with one another. Why connect? Why well, here's why. Because you're a special function. You're a special function. What do I mean by that? Well, Paul helps us with this. Romans 12:4. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. For just as we have many members in the, in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. In other words, You, you, you are a special function to the body as a whole. You, so it's like if you lop off your hand, your hand is no good. If you lop off your, your leg, your leg is, has serves no function. The only reason why your hands work and your legs work is because it's connected to the body. So you, you, I'm I'm looking at you, I'm looking at you. You are a special function. You're important to the body as a whole. He He says this in the next verse, verse five. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. You, listen, and you watching at home, you are so important to what we do. You matter. Your, your um, connection together and us coming together. When you're missing, it's like a lopped off arm. When you're missing, it's like a, a lopped off leg. It doesn't work. And, and, and you can't work best as an individual in that way what the way that we work best in this life is that when the body of Christ is connected together, that's when we work the best. So I'm going to share this story and I don't know if this will it be any helpful at all. <laughs> I went to go at, th- this is literally in the middle of the service I ran up the the down, down the um, the side here went because I needed to print something off uh, for, for my message. And I printed off the whole piece of paper, but the thing, the, the thing was only a half a piece of paper. So, I, so we have a cutter in the office. And um, so I went in there and I was kind of in a hurry because Brent only was, had two songs and I had to get back in here uh, to, to get ready uh, for the hot wing eating competition. And, uh, and so I go in the back, I print off my thing, I go and cut half of it off uh, just so I could, I don't know why, uh, hide it in my Bible. I don't even know why. And so I was in a hurry and so I put the paper in the cutter and my thumb was there and I let, bring, brought the cutter down and I cut my thumb. And so I know it's disgusting. So I've got like 10 band So now I'm like in it more, I'm like trying to get band because you know, it's, it's bleeding. And uh, and I'm trying to like get band-aids on, and, and I'm like, it's just a thumb, but it, I'm, I'm telling you, it affected everything. Thanks God for an illustration last minute. This wouldn't have happened like, if it wasn't like 10 minutes ago, right? Like, it's just a thumb, but it affects everything. I, like, I'm, I'm here in pain right now. Like, it hurts. It's throbbing. I might have to get stitches. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's fine. It's just a little cut. It, I'm telling you, it, it's, you might think I'm just a thumb, but you matter. You, you're, you matter. Because when the thumb is cut off, tell me that doesn't wreck your life for a while. Tell me it doesn't affect the whole body. Peter says, hey, you know how you exhibit this fervency of love for one another? You got to connect. You got to connect. Because when you're not connected, the whole body feels it. I can't be my best self for you when you're disconnected. And you can't be your best self for me and everybody else when you're disconnected. It matters that much. This is the illustration that Peter and Paul gave us. You're a special part of the body. You're an important function. Whether you know it or not or think it or not, you are. You matter. Another reason why we should connect. Why connect? You're a special function. Another reason, you're in the spiritual family. Whether you like it or not, we're family. Whether you like it or not, the person that's sitting down the road from you is your brother or your sister in Christ Jesus. This is, this is. And when it comes to family, you, you just, you get a, like, I don't know. I mean, my family, did you know my, within my family, we all have different points of view on things in life? No. I, you, I know, it would blow your mind. I mean, when we, we, get together, we all have different things. But listen, I can't, I can't, sometimes I want to, I can't quit my family. They're my family. It's my brother, it's my sister, it's my nephew, it's my niece. We're family and we're connected. We're, God brought us together and, and we're going we're to be considerate and we're going we're gonna to love unconditionally and we're going to understand, we're going to listen to understand, not listen to respond. And because we're family. And the reason why you should stay connected is because you have a spiritual family that loves you and needs your love as well. I can't think of a better time than right now that we need each other the most. We need to be connected. Why? Because you're a special function, because you matter to the whole body. Why? Because you're in a spiritual family. You're in a spiritual family. Paul says it, says it this way in Romans twelve ten. Be devoted to one another in what? In brotherly love. In brotherly love. Be devoted to one another in brotherly sister love. We're family. That's what we are. That's the way that we need to see each other in that way. It doesn't matter. Does it mean that we always, can, we always agree? Does it mean that we're always on the same page? But, but it means that we treat each other as if we would treat a family member. That we don't want any animosity that we're going to work it out no matter what. We don't want any tension that we're going to work it out no matter what. We don't want any, you know, anything to come between us because we know that there's an enemy that all he wants is to divide. All he wants is to bring disunity among us. That's what the enemy wants to do and that's what the enemy is doing a good job at right now in this climate. We must connect because we're family. You're my brother. You're my sister. That's the way that we're gonna treat each other in that way. What if a family member, what if a family member only showed up to the dinner table? Right? Like what if in the house all they just go to the room or go to the space and you never see them, they never come out of their room, they never go come up, come from up from the basement, and all they do, all they do is just show up to the to the dinner for the dinner, at the dinner time. That's not the function of the family, right? That's not going to work relationally. Well, this is like dinner. This is like dinner time. And listen, I'm glad you're here for dinner, but there's more up to connecting with each other outside of dinner time. Are you with me? Church, 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, I hope that you have a nice dinner. (laughs) But if all it is is just dinner time, there's so much more relationship that needs to happen outside of this. Are you with me? Does this analogy make sense? Okay. So this is what he's saying. Connect, connect, connect. And look what Peter says says this way. How do we have a fervent love for one another? We need to connect. We need to connect. And he says this in verse 10, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Here's what Peter's saying. Hey, you should have, here's how you have ignite enthusiasm for God. You should have a fervent, uh, you know, fervency to connect. And you should be fervent to serve. Fervent to serve. I know you're asking, why? Why serve? Well, according to Peter, it does this. It engages your gift. It engages your gift. I hope you know that when you have a relationship with Jesus, that Jesus has given you a special spiritual gift and ability that you couldn't do on your own. That he has given you a gift, a special gift for his glory, for his glory, for his purposes. God has given you this as a, as a gift, and he wants you to engage in that gift. And how you engage your gift is by serving one another, by serving one another. He says, so look at look what else he says. So each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, that word steward, steward is this word. You can sound it out yourself. And it means economy. It means economy. The idea of steward means economy. Now, I'm not an economist, if that's even the term. But here's what I know basic rule of economy It's necessary in order for an economy to thrive. It's necessary for there to be, for for us to to spend or to dispense into the economy, right? Goods and, and services are necessary. We need to you know, de- deploy into the economy. As, when we do that, when, you know, we, we keep jobs going, you know, em- employment going, you know, people are getting paid, it creates more jobs, right? It, it boosts the economy. When spending stops, when spending stops, it, it diminishes the economy. It, it brings us into a recession time, or even, in some cases, a depression time. And so what happens is, is that when we employ, just like when we, you know, employ our our, our finances, it boosts the economy. When it comes to serving, when we employ our gifts, it boosts the economy of God's church. It boosts the economy. When we don't, when we don't, like when we don't spend into the economy, it causes recession. When we, spend and use and employ our gifts in the economy of the church, it boosts the church. It boosts the effectiveness of the church. That's why Peter told them, guys, don't stop using your gifts. And how you use your gifts is by serving. Because if you stop serving and you stop employing your gifts The economy of the church will be in recession. We can't afford for the economy of the church to be in a recession. And the only way that's going to boost the economy of the church is that when we employ our gifts to serve, One another. I know we're in a pandemic. I know that things are challenging and things are difficult. But I'm telling you, what we need and what this world needs is a church that is vibrant and thriving and has an economy that is strong because of the people of God are still serving one another. And how you do that is and here's what you'll discover. You're gonna discover that God has given you something that you never knew you had in you. And it will change everything for you. So we need to be fervent to connect and we need to be fervent to serve. And we need to engage in our gifts. And you know what else it does? It exhibits greatness. It exhibits greatness. You know what Jesus said about serving? He says, Hey, you know who the greatest of all is? The greatest of all is the servant of all. Jesus said, I didn't come here to be served. Even though he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator, the maker, the sustainer of all things, Jesus left his place in heaven to come to this earth, not for you or anyone to serve him, but he simply came to serve you. And that's what makes him great. That's why we exalt him. That's why he's the name that is above every name. That's why at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Why? Because he just served. He just served. And that's what made him great. And you know why people will think you're great? Not because of your achievements, not because of your accomplishments, not because of your title, not because of anything that you've you know, attributed to this life. But be, what, when people will think that you're great, is because you serve them. The greatest of all is the servant of all. And the third reason why you should serve, your existence is glorifying to God. It makes your existence Glorifying to God. The reason why you breathe, the reason why you live, the reason why you exist. Your existence is glorifying to God when you serve. Fervent love for one another. It's about connecting with each other. It's about serving one another. Peter wraps it up and I'll wrap it up with this verse. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. When you speak, you're speaking as if God is speaking to someone through you. When you serve, you serve in the strength of what God gives you to serve. Hey, let's not be a church in recession. Let's be a church that's thriving and fervent and passionate about our love for one another. How do you ignite that? How do you ignite that? You gotta connect. You've got to connect. Connect to a group connect to anything you can to connect with people within the body of Christ. You got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to reach out. You've got to let people know, "Hey, listen, I need you and you need me. We've got to we got to be in this together. I can't be in this alone. We've got to we've got to come together because that's what happens when when two people come together. It's like iron sharpens iron. And our strength will be stronger and we'll be more effective and we'll make a difference in the world and the church will thrive. We won't be in recession. And I I just want to serve. Where can I serve? You know, we have the same people over the last number of months serving every single week. It's exhausting to them. We need more people to step up and say, what do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? Where where can I fill in? Where can I serve? Where can I be a part? Listen, we need more people to engage. Because serving, it engages your gift, it exhibits your greatness, and your existence is God-glorifying. That's how important you are. So a way forward, let's ignite our passion for God. Father, ah, oh. <laughs> we are your bride. You are the groom. We're the your body. We're your hands. We're your feet, you're the head. We're family, we're brothers, we're sisters. We need each other. I can't be my best me without them. God, we need to boost the economy of the church maybe specifically just Market Street Church, we need to boost the economy of Market Street Church here in Walled Lake. That it's an economy that is thriving because we're employing our gifts and we're serving people and we're showing how great you are as we serve people. And our existence when we serve people is just glorifies you and makes you pleased with us as we demonstrate agape love to one another in this room and watching online, watching at home or whenever you're watching, but the community around us that needs a hope. And we have it, we have it, we know it. We have the hope of a better life today and forever. So I pray, God, I pray today that this speech is utterance from you. I pray that this service is from your strength and your supply and nothing else. And I pray that every single person in the room or watching or listening has a fervency of love for one another in connection and in serve. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.